Jim Joyce. Here Happy we are. Wednesday. Here <laughs> Happy we are Wednesday again. to you. Um, nice. Uh, You're home, Barcelona. Uh, yeah, uh, that's 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 what we consider home. Um, but certainly, lots of travel coming up. Um, just you know, kind of firing on all uh, all cylinders here. But you know, is that conference? It's not conference season right now, right? Like, there's not a lot of con- this. Is is there what's um, going on? I mean, listen. There's always a conference to go to, right? Right. Um, right, right. I think th- this week, this week, yeah, this week, uh, we were actually supposed to be at uh, Radical Health. So our friend Pascal and team were putting that on in okay. Helsinki. Um, honestly, okay. we just decided there's just so much stuff going on that unfortunately we missed uh, all the great peeps that uh, that I was getting some uh, uh, right. selfies with. But uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we're sort of gearing up. I mean, the usual kind of health and frontiers later this year. Um, but otherwise, it's just, you know, I think we, we go to where people are right now. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, awesome. Anyway, and yourself, you look like you're back to Dublin. Yeah, Dublin's like about 30 degrees right now. It was, it was actually warmer. I went, I went to Sicily last week for vacation, and it was warmer in Dublin than Sicily. So we got, so that was kind of wow. unusual living. Wow. So the sunshine, the Irish are all red-faced from a little bit of sun for a few days. Especially <laughs> <laughs> the beer, but now it's the sunshine, <laughs> sunburner beer. So everyone's everyone's happy good. and pretending to work. So yeah, all I hear you. It's been it's been beautiful here. But anyway, our guest is here actually, so I'm gonna awesome. let in. Um, Artie is coming right in. He's coming in hot. He's coming in super hot as always, bringing his energy in. I don't know if you guys yep. ever. I don't know if you guys ever met. There he is. Oh, come on. No, you can do it. There we, we got him. There we go. We here. <laughs> Welcome to the shot. I love the hat. Let me see the sneakers. Hold on. The sneakers cannot be shown today. Not today. All right. Oh, I conferences. <laughs> I, I I got you. Well, you'll t- you'll tell us later. Well, welcome to the show. Actually, you party. know what? I'll I'll show them to you. Hold on. All right. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Wait. Wait. We gotta do it. We'll do it. Here you go. You you got it. There, there, there you, you go, go, everybody. Speaks nice. All stars just for Eugene and Jim. Perfect. <laughs> Fantastic. I love them. I love them. Well, with so that, nice to meet. With, nice to meet. Yeah, you, I was going to say with, with nice that start. Um, as as sort of the the listeners and viewers are used to, take us through your life journey, already. And <laughs> and and if you don't mind, for all of us pronounce your last name and give us the roots i have a hypothesis but i don't think we've ever spoken about it come on you know it's party, one man party that that's that's your middle name that i thought yes that's the middle name no <laughs> it's it's already arian poor and it's always a tongue twister when you say my first name and my last name they used to screw it up you know in elementary school but i think even as an adult in digital health you know, they still screw it up. So it's okay. I'm glad <laughs> you're the first person who's asked, actually. It's so nice. Uh, I Listen, I, I don't believe it, but cool. Uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> but it's only let, because let's... you're an international citizen just like me, Eugene. That's the only well, reason right. why you asked. And he's listen, exactly with a last name like that. <laughs> I, I have to honor, you know, tougher, tough last names as well. So cool. Yeah. But um, all right. So take us back all the way in the history and then we'll sort of rudely interrupt as usual. 
Sure, right on. Um, first off, just a pleasure to to see you guys. I hope you both are well, and um, it's it's just a a pleasure to be on your wonderful podcast. I've been a fan for so long. Um, you and I have been, you know, friends ever since I founded Seekster, and so it's taken us years and light right. years to get to here. So this is going to be special. It's not just one <laughs> shot. It's going to be a one, two, three punch. <laughs> I love it. Here. I love it. We're going to have it. a total knockout, you know, uh, talk here. Um, <laughs> look, um, I, I'm I'm super grateful for, for the journey. Um, I think digital health obviously has so many different stories and folks like yourselves have brought on the best of the best to tell the stories. My story is a little bit different. Everyone's story is different. Yeah. My story is different because um, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed <laughs> to be talking to you guys. I'm not supposed to have, you know, Seekster as a company. I'm not supposed to be, you know, a thought leader now in digital health and clinical trials and all the great things that we're doing on patient centricity. It was all an accident, really, to begin with. It all happened by my journey of starting working at the Salk Institute when I was 16 years old um, uh, here in La Jolla, in San Diego. I was lucky enough to be um, brought up and raised in San Diego in the 90s. I moved actually okay. to San Diego in the mid 80s. And, um, you know, that really uh, opened up. Where, where were you, like three? What's that? Where were you like three, three years old? No, I was I was six and a half, and then I didn't learn English till I was about Close. nine. It was okay. very difficult for me to actually even. I had trouble learning English because um, I got planted here. Uh, and where know, are the roots? Where Where did you come from? So I was born in Tehran, Iran, and we fled the Iran. That was my Iran guess. War. That was my guess. So I was born in the middle of the war, and you know it was. I, I didn't go to kindergarten. I started first grade here. We spent some time in Helsinki, Finland, and also Stuttgart and Frankfurt in Germany for months trying to get a visa, family of four, me, yep. my brother, my mom, and my dad. And, you know, um, it was no different than, to be honest, what's going on with Ukraine and Russia, unfortunately, currently yep. right now. Yep. So yep. I, I mm. totally understand, you know, a lot. And, um, it, that, when that happens at such a young age to an immigrant family that sees opportunity in America and just by luck lands in San Diego, California, um, right. and not in LA or in New York or San Francisco, where most of folks like ourselves were, were heading to, um, right. biotech was, you know, um, huge here. Um, research and development and some of the best research institutions in the world um, were in La Jolla. And I happened to be around the corner and everyone that I would speak to was either a scientist or a doctor yeah. or something within the medical field. So that had a lot of influence. Um, is, and is that where you met Amir, by the way, who was also in the shot at one point, Kalali? Yeah. So, just, like, so Amir not, and not, I to, had, not to diverge you, but. Yeah, no, we have a totally different story. Um, I met him through actually my wife who runs clinical trials um, work. And that was from, oh gosh, 20 years ago. Got it. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. 
we'll, um, we'll put you back on track. Quintiles, during his quintiles, actually. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yep. Days. Long, long time ago. Um, but he happened to be moving here too. And he had a very similar story background being, you know, Persian and all that too, I guess. Um, yeah. Um, uh, you know, I was pre-med and then my mom got hit with breast cancer and Eugene, I think you and I have lots of commonality with families being yeah. affected with breast cancer and different types of cancers. And then I got really interested in, you know, what, uh, that research entails and, um, uh, I became a, you know, biotech executive in my twenties, instead of actually going to uh, medical school, I went and got an MBA part-time long story short. I started doing international business development work within um, uh, next generation sequencing, which was really early on its time in the early right. 2000s, right after the whole genome got sequenced by you know, the NIH and Solera. When it cost millions. Billions at that time. Billions, I think. true, yeah. Right? Um, so now it's, you know, a couple thousand bucks, but it was a lot of money. And then um, that was right place at right time. I had one resume, and then next thing you knew, one thing led to another. And I started in the corporate world, and I actually hated the corporate world because I felt like there's so much red tape. You couldn't do and maneuver certain things, but you had to get started somewhere. And then I started um, when I was 28, I got recruited to my first startup up in Orange County. And that was a small okay. clinical diagnostic company. I was employee number 19. I got recruited as director of business development because I had, you know, seven years of business development experience. And by the age of 28, if you have that, then, you know, you're one right. of uh, 1 million, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone was telling me, why are you going to this like, you know, small little company? Why don't you go to Roche? Why don't you go to Illumina? Why don't you go to all these companies? Well, long story short, that company I took um, from 19 people, um, had the opportunity of a lifetime and grew it to about a thousand folks. We raised only $3 million and we sold it for $1 billion to Konica Minolta and the Sovereign Fund of Japan. Well well done. I had, a I had a pepperoni on a pizza, as I was saying. That was more than enough to, you know, um, become a angel investor myself and build my own incubator. And we'll talk about that and how that led to Seekster. But during that time, um, you know, we were able to fight Myriad Genetics, which it just happens to be that oh. we're doing this call today. But I was one of four people that was part of the SCOTUS decision of actually freeing gene patents and fighting, you know, in federal courts. And I was the head ar architect behind that. And I learned a lot at a young age on what not to do. But what we learned about data within BRCA or what people know as BRCA, yeah. one or two, um, and my team and I created and pioneered the first next-gen sequencing test and cancer panels from a clinical diagnostic standpoint. And we learned a lot about pushing research development into the clinic, as well as working with pharmaceutical companies, because I created the first genomic services division where pharma companies would outsource to our company at the time and get that work done since pharma really outsources a lot of that business. Yeah. So- not only did I learn the clinical world a little bit, I learned the pharma world 
as well as actually, you know, made stuff, made shit happen, right? <laughs> so right. at the end of the day, that's probably the best skill that you can get as an entrepreneur. I was not an entrepreneur at all. Again, I'm an accidental entrepreneur because I learned that all this data was being siloed and my family being affected, my mom being a breast cancer survivor, um, you know, uh, and carrying various different genetics in our family lineages had a complete impact on me understanding that you have to have a mission in order to actually build anything. Forget about yeah. anything else. You have to have a mission focused and laser focused on that to get people behind doing the hard work that we're all doing, that you are all, all doing, and that everyone in the industry is doing. Sure, you got to have some luck. You got to have some good timing. At the same time, you got to take some big risks. And so we were able to do that. And I always thought that you should have all your health data in one place, not just your genetics data. And right. so I thought of Seekster because SEQ for sequencing, because that's where my background of 15 right. plus years in oncology was. Mm -hmm. And then yep. Stir was all the other data that you can mix in. What I didn't know, Eugene and Jim and the entire audience that's listening to your wonderful podcast. The millions, had, the millions. <laughs> the billions, right? Billions. Um, I did not know that your medical data was going to be so important to match with your genetic data. I didn't know that there was going to be 400 plus different wearables and medical devices that are going to be coming out. I did not know that social determinants of you know, health data was going to be something. I had no clue about claims data at the time when I founded Seekster in 2016. But I okay. did know one thing that everyone else didn't know. What's that? And that was the fact that ATCG with DNA sequencing is interoperable. And it doesn't matter what machine gene sequencer right. it comes off. And because we right. had 15 years of experience looking at millions of data points from that, we thought, oh, my God, all this other data is going to be interoperable, too, <laughs> which right. was not the case. So let's pause there for a second. So off the bat, all devices that are doing genome sequencing adhere to the same standard out of the box. Pretty much because it's a fast wow. Q file, it's a BAM file, and it's because ATCG from one DNA sequencer is no different than the other. But when you look at the Cerner data, the Allscripts data, the Epic data, they have multiple different versions. Your name is categorized differently in different EMRs. Right, right. Vitamin D right. is categorized 40 different ways as we use as one example. Right, There's so much right, more. Right. Right. right? And then when you look at even, let's say, your Apple Watch and your Garmin data, yep. they don't talk to one another because those companies want to silo that data so that you keep buying their devices. Right. It's right. no different with Medtronic data and Dexcom data. The data is completely different. And it's right. there's no standardization of that. There's no way to clean that data. So we had to think really quickly of building a data refinery. And that's what Seekster really has done. And that's something okay. that I've never shared on any podcast. I've done 62 different podcasts. And today- Heard it here first. About the data Heard it here first. Heard so it I here love first. That, I love that time. So it's a data refinery. 
That's right. Is that how you describe it? The data. So yep. it's not data aggregation. We started out as data aggregation in 2016 right. when we didn't know really what we were doing. And okay. no one believed in what we were doing. They thought we were a PHR. They thought we were something like, you know. Honestly, um, that's what that I thought. Done. When we yeah. when we met, I, I thought it was a PHR, right? And maybe yep. that's an evolution of this all, right, also. Yeah, you know, what's funny is we didn't even know what a PHR was. I had to Google it to see what a, you know, patient health record really was because we were thinking of it from a multi-generational health record, actually. I filed the first patents on a multi-generational health record because both my grandmothers at the time, unfortunately, passed to um, Alzheimer's disease. And no reason to be sorry, but on maternal and paternal um a line of my um, family, both of them carried different genetic markers of the APO3 and APO4 genes. And I only knew that because I yep. was one of the first people to be, you know, um, uh, sequenced clinically whole genome sequenced, right? Uh, I mean, my- It's so crazy you're talking about this. I even back in the day in 2011. I literally just listened to uh, Peter Atia today, uh, exactly on this topic. <laughs> it was crazy. Right. Crazy. And it's yeah. interesting. So this is the one thing. I'm probably one of the only people in digital health, in clinical trials, in patient centricity, right? That not only is, um, you know, came from the outside world, from, you know, another, you know, segment within medical Healthcare. sciences yeah. or whatever you want to call it, data sciences, but really from the sequencing side, right? And right. so when you're a genomics, you know, expert, and in genomics, we were pushing the edge of technologies. When I came to my first PIMS conference in 2016, I was like, oh my God, like, I feel like I'm an alien and I'm visiting the Egyptians and bringing something to build a pyramid <laughs> or something. Right. How is right. this industry so archaic? Are we dealing the with paper records still? Are you really did you have, did, did you have green sneakers then or no? I did not. I think I was <laughs> that came later. Something that was a different color, but yeah, that came later. So already, so 2017, you, I think, was the first green converse actually. <laughs> so going like right before the green converse. So so your so who are your customers right now? Yeah. So we've evolved obviously because of customers. Um, uh, getting back to the story and then, you know, kind of weaving yeah. it into the customers. Um, we created a, a, a nationwide technology on interoperability. And then we built a caregiver view. So not only patients can actually control, collect and share their data, but also caregivers can. And that all came from my grandmother's side. And then we got a call from Bill Gates. I actually got a call from Bill Gates. It was full surprise. We thought that, you know, um, what the make of this bill was interested in interoperability because his father was um, affected with AD at the time in 2018. I get flown to one of his um, residences and we sit around the table for three and a half hours. That was the watershed moment for me when he told me that we had something much more powerful than Microsoft Health Vault. And whether you believe me or not, you guys can go ask Bill yourself. If he said that, <laughs> do you mind sharing a number? Good luck this week. 
Yeah. Anytime, awesome. anytime Bill Gates tells me one of my companies is more valuable than some part of Microsoft, I'm always like, that's a good day. You know, <laughs> that was a good day. Now, this is what's interesting. But at the time, I was all focused on direct to consumer. And I give Bill yeah, yeah. all the credit when he said, Artie, you have an operating system here for healthcare. And it right. didn't like click for me until like a year after. Once Takeda and other pharma companies started calling us because they were looking for a way to bring a patient engagement platform. So we were yeah, okay. a platform when I founded the company in 2016 until right. I would say 2019. And then 2020, once the pandemic hit and we got our signed you know, corporate deals first before any investments. Remember, I put the first million in Seekster personally myself. And so, okay. you know, we brought my team from data sciences and our ex-CTO yep. from our last exits. We didn't need to worry about anything other than solving problems for patients. We had thousands of women because I spent, you know, over a decade in women's health. And we knew that women were the caregivers. We knew that women, you know, um, tell men to go to the doctor. They're the ones who right. take the family. <laughs> so we wanted them actually building our system from a UI UX standpoint, not some engineers that don't know anything about healthcare. And so already problem with yeah. healthcare that I've seen. So back in so so like uh back in 2017 or 2018, there was a direct to consumer offering and uh, maybe a, a woman of the household, uh like a mother or someone concerned would would do what? They would find out about your service and get um, or they like, how would they interact with it at the time? Yeah, no one found out about us until Dr. Eric Topol tweeted it about it in 2018 of August. We got like millions of hits on our website. It freaking shut our website down. And I'm like, there's no way I got to raise $500 million to be able to do direct to consumer. And that right. was that. And that was right after the whole Bill Gates thing. So, you know, okay. people found out we met with Bill and then Bill actually you know, helped us get into Boston University and he had investments going into there with their Alzheimer's disease um, fund and things like that. And then we got involved with building the Seekster Research Portal with the okay. Ryan Center for Brain Disease doing okay. the traumatic brain injury study. And that was when, Jim, we finally figured out, wow, we really do have an operating system. It's a white label for academia, it's a white label for pharma, it's a white label for any digital health company. Got it. And then once the 2020 hit, this is when decentralized trials blew up because we were yep. all at home behind the box and right. folks were interested in our technology for so many different use cases. We didn't know what to do. We picked pharma because pharma came and wanted to lead our Series A round. And to be okay. honest with you, I never wanted to raise any And that funds. was Takeda, Bruce and team, right? Or, that was yeah. that was Takeda. Oh, my, and and my, my buddy Takeda Bruce. All, we, we owe Takeda all the credit because we were not thinking around how interoperability can be delivered through clinical trials through the patient. We learned okay. by working with 285 people at Takeda. Wow. Yeah, because we so, know we both know we know Bruce. I know Bruce from lots of years. You know, he was a big. We, we anyways, we know he's a good guy. Awesome.
Yeah. Um, so what? What? Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna dive deeper. So whether it's pharma, uh, whether it's for a clinical trial or not. So just maybe kind of walk us through a little bit. So if I'm participating in a clinical trial, uh, you obviously there's a record of the individuals that are in the trial, and I seen something on the website. You connect to like 99% of health systems and others. So you basically suck in their data. Whatever's happening during clinical trial, whether it's lab, et cetera, you guys are back to your comment. You're the operating system for that trial in that case, if it's a clinical trial, where you are, you, I love the term, um, the data refinery. So you collect the data, you refine it and make it usable by the researchers um, to do their magic. Absolutely. And you know, it's no better time, Eugene, to talk about this even with AI because the power of AI begins with data. And so, sure. you know, why am, I, why am I interjecting that? Because I think it's important for you guys to understand how it works. If you're, you know, AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Takeda, AbbVie, you know, Boeing or Ingelheim, we have a multi-year uh, deal with that they wanted to accelerate patient centricity with our operating system and, you know, power various different clinical trials. How it works is if you're, you know, any of those entities, you um, subscribe to Seekster, you get a okay. white label where we launch a digital front door of that Pfizer interface, all powered by Seekster, of that Boeing or Ingelheim interface, mm -hmm. powered by Seekster, whatever that um, life science enterprise is, right? I'm just, we're just using pharma yeah. as an example. Yep, then what sure. happens is, you know, they have various different use cases and different clinical trials that they're running on any given day. They're running hundreds of different trials, but they right. also have a recruitment problem on not only getting the right patients, but getting the right data. And so we connect the pharma company from a white label service where we're right. the OS powering that right. to all of the undertaking that took us five years to build on the interoperability side with that 99% okay. coverage. And the, the, the flow is no different and as easy as banking. We call it the mint.com flow for healthcare, where you, okay. as a patient, come in that front door for Pfizer or AstraZeneca or whoever it may be, and then you select what your data is that you want to share via consent. And then what's amazing about this for the first time, and this is what we've really pioneered, is in a clinical trial, the patients get something back. They get to track and monitor mm -hmm. and view all their health data. So not only are we a data refinery, but we've right. actually created the tableau of health data with all of the health visualization on what I call the longitudinal health record or the okay. individualized health record. So and patients are, are regularly diving in. So patients that you've interacted with through this clinical trial recruitment process are going back in and interacting with the system. They're kind of correct. diving into it and getting it. Okay, That goes back to Boston University and Bill because we okay. built the research portal so that the researchers and the physicians and the providers, whoever's part of that trial can look right. at that de-identify data as well as have a communication tool with the patients. So right. when we're launching any patient registry or any clinical trial, 
with our right. business currently, it has, it's not, it's bi-directional, not okay. only on the data front, but on the communication engagement front. And then when you're thinking about all these pharma companies trying to get into AI now and everyone talking about AI, I still sure. think AI is hype without data. AI sure, is sure. only useful with data. And you know, yeah. every day you see all these posts about AI, it's great. There's a lot of buzz around it, but without real high fidelity, high quality data, right. AI is actually worthless. And what's like, so you're owning, so you you had uh, this this lineage kind of exposure to this Alzheimer's gene. Like what's, you've been around the space forever. What's like blown you away that people don't know from a genetic, like what have you seen either from yourselves or family members or patients that disinformation is like from a patient perspective, a personal perspective has blown you away genetically? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is um, comorbidity of data. Okay. And, you know, you can have, you know, um, some sort of underlying condition or genetic marker for something. Right. And it can relate to other types of diseases. For example, if if BRCA one or two run in your family, you know, um, people think of breast cancer for for men. I'm sorry, for women. They don't right. think about BRCA one or two, how it actually can affect, let's say, prostate health. Right. Okay. That's comorbidity right. of data. And when you're gathering all sorts of data and matching right. data longitudinally, you, you can do um, what I call trendster within Seekster. And you can <laughs> see the trending of all of the data and the best way to actually see data and all yeah. the comorbidities is by the visualization of data. That's the best way to QC data. And that's what yeah. our team has pioneered as well. It's, it's it's magic, right? Mad that's cool. magic overnight success uh, since, <laughs> since nine years, right, or whatever. No, uh, yeah, yeah seven, since nineteen eighty six, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's an overnight success. But you yeah. know what's so funny? I'm like the poster child for 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 health data, <laughs> and um, what I mean by that is, you know, my mom, uh, breast cancer survivor. My dad of recent, um, just a couple of years ago a colon cancer survivor. We ran a tumor board in six hours with Seekster, got him in the surgery in nine business days, saved wow. his life. And if we didn't have Seekster, you know, maybe he wouldn't be around. He got to celebrate his 70th birthday in Nice. I Amazing. couldn't be more, that's my biggest proud moment. Not because Seekster is a brand now and people know about it, but you know, how many people do you know that have been able to run a company, start a company that have been able to actually save someone's life, more importantly, their own family right. members. Um, I have so yeah. many stories with our families. It's just, it's nuts. And you did a, a tumor board. So you were able to get access to the clinicians or was there something from the genetic data that kind of uh, surprised you? Oh, actually, because we ran his foundation medicine test. We ran his non-invasive liquid biopsy test. We ran his Cologuard test that showed okay. abnormal results. And then we got him rushed into a colonoscopy. We had his data before his GI called and all his CT scans. And we sent that on a Saturday to six different folks, including the prestigious TGen and Dan Van Hoff, one of the top pathologists in the country that one of my co-founders knew for a very long time and working in this field as well. And you know that was the breakthrough when they said, you need to get him the surgery right away 
and right. found a 54 you know millimeter tumor in his ascending colon and they had to right. rip it out and that saved his life i mean you know time kills all deals i say not right, just right, in business right. but in 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 life. cancer as well and that's what we've seen with data it is so powerful yep. jim you know um you know it's and are you, you have to experience are, are you doing anything like you know what i've been i was on vacation last week so i was i was reading up on all this or or podcast you were reading, reading period yeah yeah i was yeah. just reading getting a chance to read the um that but on the microbiome side on the microbiome i'm blown away by what's happening there and it feels like and i, I was listening to something the other day they were talking about how this big moment when you know when clinton was sitting with the team that had sequenced you know the genome and they were talking about hey this is going to save lives but now people are, are are you know so is there anything that you're doing there for all this data that's being produced about this whole impactor there is that impacting yeah, you think of microbiome data as just another data source the same right. way that you get genotyping data from let's say a 23andme test or an right. ancestry you know test or you get an exome which is you know a certain part 20,000 or so genes that are snipped from part of the genome yep. and then the genome is the whole thing it's the encyclopedia right right so the microbiome is related to a lot of the gut health, right? right? And that's why you're seeing so much innovation within that. And it's, you know, um, a lot of the microbiome could be related because your gut and your brain are related. What does that have to do with Alzheimer's data? Lots of research is being done with Alzheimer's disease right now. There's two amazing drugs that are coming out, one by Lilly, one by, you know, Biogen. And, you know, um, the more data that we can collect on this right. sort of stuff with not just looking at your amyloid, you know, plaques and MRI data, right. You know, will better all of us. So yeah, what's right. really interesting with Seekster, it is the essence. It is the foundational technology for advancing drug development. And at the mm. end of the day, whether you're dealing with digital therapeutics, digital health, health data, health tech, to me, it's all the same. At the end of the day, what's the underlying thing that you need for all those things? Data. Data, mm. which we're generating 24 by seven, our human bodies. But you brought up 23andMe, um, and we actually had uh, Paul Johnson on this podcast a while back, and I, forget, and I think we forgot to ask him, how is it to work with Anne? And I noticed Anne <laughs> was one of the investors in, in your last round. Uh, so curious. Yep. So tell, tell um, us about Anne. Yeah, a couple of things. So one, you know, I got to meet Anne um, very lucky at a young age in my 20s when she started 23andMe. And no one believed in her either, right? And she gets all the credit for being able to bring consumer genomics, cons consumer genetics to the front. A lot of people were against it at the time because mm. they didn't understand it. The clinicians thought that... It wasn't good data, X, Y, and Z. And the technology from the Illumina sequencing side was very early at the time. Now it's gotten obviously a lot better, but I've known Anne for a very long time since she pretty much founded the company. And I got to work with her company, 23andMe, um, by launching their exome testing for Parkinson's, actually. So we developed a really nice friendship there, and she's been a mentor for a very long time. And when I told her that I had Seekster, she obviously understood it better than yep. anyone because 
she was the only person that understood that, wow, if you mix your sequencing data with all the other data, it can mean something. Um, and she was interested in uh, investing in Seekster. So just um, a, a great, wonderful entrepreneur and a mentor. And we couldn't be more happy to have her, it's, you know, part of Seekster. It's 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 interesting, right? Like it's one of those statements that if you uh, ask for money, you get advice. But if you ask for advice, you get money. <laughs> so, and we didn't even want the money. You know yeah, what I mean? It, it was like, just you were just you, she was a mentor, right? And uh, yeah, and, and a friend. send it this way. Send it this way. <laughs> I mean, well, look, you know, it's a great time to talk about that too. It's um, twenty twenty three, right? Yeah. We're Q two, ending Q two here. Um, Seekster has just exploded in the hardest time and mm. it's because we've had really good people it's not about raising funds hundreds of millions of dollars billions of dollars have been raised as you guys know in yep. our industry and how much of it has made an impact is yet to tell but sure. we've done it opposite we've only raised and i only wanted to raise the least amount of money to be able to make the most amount of impact. And the mm. best way to do that is having a solution that actually works. Of course, you need to generate revenues and you have to be smart and surround yourself around people that are smarter than you. But all this is part of the journey. You don't learn this overnight. Yeah. It's all part of the journey. And um, it's something that um, you do need a little bit of luck with. And I think the harder sure. you work, the luckier you get. Absolutely. You know, that that almost sounded like an answer to Jim's final usual question, but I think I'll I'll, I'll let Jim ask it anyway, and maybe you'll come up with a different thought process right. there. So why don't yeah, we go so, to the, so, to the so, last question? So picture yourself, you're sitting... Um, in La Jolla at a lovely cafe on a beautiful, on a beautiful day, as it seems to always be beautiful there. And, uh, a young, uh, you know, clearly, uh, Iranian, uh, uh, student that had just had listened to you and you were speaking at a class and you knew he was Iranian because you could just tell he's obviously intelligent and a good looking guy with fantastic sneakers on green, green, bright sneakers. <laughs> and, and you just identified with him and he walks up to you and he says, and he walks up and says, Jesus, are, are you you're like, are, you're my idol. Everything you've done in sequencing, I've been following it, I've been studying it, but I've been on the business development and the science side. And now I've come up with an absolutely phenomenal innovation. It's it's a next generation AI data refinery offer. And, and I've got people coming at me. And when you look at that younger version of yourself, what's the one piece of advice you would, you would give that, that young man? I would say that, you know, always go with your gut and take the risk. Don't think twice. Don't um, don't let the naysayers stop you. You know, um, the naysayers and the haters, they're all out there. And <laughs> you just got to go with your gut and and be fearless. That would be I, my advice. I absolutely love this advice from somebody who says underlying data is everything. Trust your gut. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, this was all by an accident, you know? I, <laughs> I, I, I love it. Love it. Well, Artie, love it. thank you very much. Pleasure having you. Um, and for all of our listeners and viewers, hit subscribe, pass it on, and uh, see you next week.
I'll so give you guys a fist already. bump. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> and Jim, you guys are the best. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Eddie. Best of luck.